Well, welcome everyone back to part two. We've managed to make it back to part two, barring some COVID and some sickness and some various other things. We're here, finally. Uh, and so, if you were here last time, you would know that we are doing a prayer podcast and that you're uh, going to be a bit of a fly on the wall like me as we let Danielle and Kiralee talk. Danielle and Kiralee are still here, so can we have a hi from both of you guys? Hello. Hello, we're here. It's yeah, they're alive. Yeah, they're not with, they don't have COVID yet, so it's good. Uh, and um, yeah, well, we'll be going through a bunch of different questions in this one, some theological ones, some practical ones, as we seek to finish off what we started last time. That's the goal. That's the aim. We'll see how well that goes, but here we go. Uh, Danielle, over to you to ask the first question. Awesome. Thanks, Joel. So, we've got a lot of questions again today. Last time, a lot of them centered around what God's will is um, and how we pray into that. Um, This first one is another theological one. It kind of follows on from um, our previous discussion. Um, It is, how do we avoid in our prayers to command and direct God to eradicate all obstacles, difficulties, and hindrances, but in accordance with his will? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's super tempting to approach our prayers as like almost a shopping list of things that we want God to do for us. Uh, And we want all those things to be about making our lives uh, somehow easier or more comfortable, um, making us happy by giving us everything we want. And I suspect that most of us would say, oh, that's not how I pray. But actually, when we look at our motivations or what we desire deep down, it is for ease and comfort for ourselves and for other people. And I'm not saying that in a a judgy way. I often have those sorts of motivations as well. And I think we do kind of gravitate towards wanting that ease and that comfort. Um, and I think it's a constant work in progress for us, for our desires to be shaped by what God wants uh, and what God says is the pattern of life for his people, which I think is often a lot more challenging than we would like it to be. Uh, So that can be hard for us to accept. But I think there are some really helpful ways that we can keep on bringing ourselves back to prayers that are shaped by God's will and not by our will. Um, And the first and most obvious of those is to keep on reading your Bible. Read the Old Testament, read the New Testament, get, I don't know, it's hard to say get comfortable with suffering and weakness, but uh, I guess come to see suffering and weakness as central to God's plan Um, We see that obviously in uh, the death of Jesus, that suffering is central to God's plan in that way. Uh, But we also see it throughout the whole story of God's people that uh, through God's people's suffering, he brings about the refining of faith. He brings about his plans and purposes. Um, So we get to see it in uh, the prophets. Jeremiah is a great place to go for that. Habakkuk, which we almost never read, but is a great place to go uh, to look at God's people in suffering. Uh, there's the exile, there's the suffering of Paul and the early church in the New Testament, uh, the way that the New Testament sets up expectations for Christians of a life that is actually much more than ease and comfort and that contains a lot of suffering and hardship. Um, So 2 Corinthians, Philippians, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Peter, great places to go for that. Um, So read the Bible, get a sense of what God's big picture plans and purposes are for his people and how he uses suffering in the midst of that. Uh, Reading the Psalms is another great place to go. The Psalms are full of all of the uh, emotions and all of the life experiences that God's people face. And so that's a great place to go and uh, learn how to have a prayerful response to what's going on in your life, whether it's a good thing or a hard thing. Um, Reading the prayers of Christians throughout history is a really great way to um, broaden the scope of your prayers as well and to, I guess, continue to submit yourself to God's will in a really helpful way. Uh, So I think The Valley of Vision, which is a book that's in our recommended resources list, is a great way of doing that because it's written by people who were trying to figure out how to honour and glorify God in the midst of uh, the hardships of life. Um, Yeah, and I think they're they're great words that we can still pray today. Uh, And then the last one, I think, is just keep on reminding yourself that you are asking for God to do his will as you pray and not do your own will. So I think the biblical language of if it's your will Uh, Using that language and really meaning it is really helpful. Um, We don't need to be afraid to ask boldly. We can ask God for what we want. And I often find myself doing that, saying, you know, God, this is what I really want for this person or this is what I really want in this circumstance. But we always need to uh, acknowledge at the same time that if our desires and our will are not in line with God's, then that what we really want is for him to do his will his perfect will. Uh, And Jesus gives us that example in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prays, you know, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. That's Jesus stating, you know, something that he genuinely 
uh, is praying for and asking for, yet not my will, but yours be done. Um, So I think that's the model that we're given for how to ask God for the things that we genuinely desire, but also how to ask him to do his will and have our desires be shaped by his. Mm. Mm. It's so fascinating. We were just reading about the Garden of Gethsemane last night at Bible study, and it's just amazing that Jesus' soul was overwhelmed to the point of death. Um, Yet after praying and when people came to arrest him, he could have easily called 12 legions of God's angels to come and save him, but he fully trusted God's plan and he knew that he had to do what he had to do. Mm. Um, Yeah, he he fully fully gave himself to God's will. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So just to clarify, you are Mm. saying that it's okay to pray for things like healing or things like... um, yeah, that God absolutely. Would do this particular thing or whatever. Yep. Um, but it needs to be done in a in a way and in a stance that says um, we want this to happen, uh, but what God's will is should kind of trump that. I absolutely. Guess. Yeah. So I think it's not wrong to say to God, "This is what I really want to happen." But at the same time, we're acknowledging to ourselves and before God that what we want isn't always the same as what He wants, yeah. and we don't always know the difference. So if He has a better plan than that, we always want to. Uh, submit ourselves to it yeah Yeah. and and i guess also having our mind filled with other people's needs is helpful to stop us praying that what like just for ourselves and what we want kind of got to fix all these different situations in life kind of deal if we have you know all of these different people that we're praying for we're praying for persecuted church we're praying for uh, various other things we're praying for our non-christian friends whatever that is that helps us to stop just focusing on our circumstances and our things as well, I guess. It does. It helps us to stop focusing on our own want for ease and comfort, although I think we also want that for other people. So I think we still face this same challenge, like if you're praying for the persecuted church, our heart's desire is for those people to not be facing persecution anymore. We want them to be safe and well and happy. That might not be God's intention. He might be doing something different through that state of persecution. Uh, So again, I think it's okay for us to pray, you know, God, please you know, stop the government from persecuting these people in this place. Um, but your will be done if he is doing something different through that than to bring about his plan, which is better than ours. Yeah. And you see that especially like in something like Daniel or Ezra, which we're going through at church at the moment, where Cyrus's heart is changed to be favorable to, towards the people of Israel. Mm. So there is biblical precedent to pray for rulers and pray Absolutely. for the, that a whole nation would come to know Christ. Mm. Um, so you might see that with, say, North Korea or something. You pray for the leaders there. But at the same time, you're right that we're praying for God's will to be done in that situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the more we do it, the more we pray and the more we genuinely remind ourselves what I want and what God wants may not be the same thing and I need to be honest about what I want but also submit to what God wants. The more we practice that, the better we get at it, I think, and the more time we spend in God's word and in that kind of prayer, the more we're shaped for our desires to be in line with God's more and more. Yeah. We have some more questions on supplication a bit later and praying for others as well, so we'll come back to that. Um, but I'd, I'd love to circle back to the interaction of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit when we pray. What are each of those roles in the Trinity? Sure. I mean, that's a, a huge question, so we could spend ages on it, and I'm going to give you guys a book recommendation at the end that you can go and have a look if you want to uh, – dig into it a little deeper. Um, But in short, you might have heard before the saying that we pray to the Father, through the Son, in the Spirit. Uh, So we want to say every person of the Trinity is involved in our praying. But then I think the question is, what does that actually mean? So uh, we'll try and break it down. So we pray to the Father. Uh, That in itself is pretty amazing. Uh, It's worthy of hours of exploration that we don't have time for in a podcast, but that's fine. Um, But the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the Father who Jesus prayed to so intimately as Abba, as Dad, is now our Father as well. Uh, And that happened, as we know from Galatians 4, through the Father sending his Son to redeem us so that we could be adopted into his family with the full rights of children and sending his Spirit into our hearts so that we also could call him Abba, so that we also could call him Dad. Uh, And our Father is generous. He meets our needs. He meets more than our needs. He gives us good gifts in abundance. Uh, He's kind and loving and caring and compassionate. So I think that has an impact on our prayers. Uh, It means that we can approach God as the best father that there could ever be, which is really good news for those of us who don't have a great experience with our earthly fathers. Uh, We can come to God in 
intimacy, in honesty. Um, we can be confident that he doesn't desire anything more than to show us his goodness and his kindness. Um, so that's part of what it means to pray to our Father. We could go much further than that. Um, but let's move on. So we pray through the Son, and we've talked about that a little bit, how it's Jesus' death as our representative and substitute that opens the way for us to have that intimacy with the Father. Uh, and as well as the language of adoption, Hebrews 10 gives us the imagery of Jesus' blood opening a new way for us through the curtain. So in the Jewish temple, the barrier between God's people and God's presence, that's what the curtain was. And Jesus is the one who opens that barrier, who removes that barrier. And he's still by the Father's side pleading our cause, which we know from Hebrews 7. Uh, it's only through Jesus that we have access to the Father. And because he's opened that access once for all by his blood, and he's continuing to intercede for us now, we can approach the Father with confidence to receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need, uh, which we read in Hebrews 4. So we pray to the Father, we pray through the Son, and we pray in the Spirit. And again, we've already talked about the Spirit being the one who enables us to call God our Abba Father, and that's because Jesus' death makes our adoption possible, and it's the Spirit's work that actually applies Jesus' death to us. So it's the Spirit who connects us to the Father, uh, it's the Spirit who prompts us to pray and makes us confident that God will hear us, it's the Spirit who intercedes with the Father for us in accordance with God's will, uh, from Romans 8. Um, so... You might have noticed that the Son and the Spirit are both interceding for us. Uh, you might be asking, isn't that redundant? Um, but you could look at it in this way. So we have the Son interceding for us and giving us access to the Father. He's at the Father's side even now. So you could say that the Son is interceding for us externally uh, and the Spirit is within us, helping us to pray, making up for weakness and ignorance on our side turning our prayers into better, more God-honoring prayers than we could ever pray. So the Spirit is kind of interceding for us from the inside. Um, that's a very, very brief look at a very big topic. Uh, I want to recommend that if this is something you're interested in, that you take it further by reading Enjoying God by Tim Chester, uh, which spends a whole chapter on this topic, and the whole book is about how uh, the Father, Son, and Spirit relate to us and how we live out that relationship to the triune God. So I reckon that's a really great book to start with if you want to dig deeper into the Trinity and what difference it makes to our lives. Mm. Thanks for beautifully summarising that, Carolyn. Um, we'd love to explore a bit more of the work of the Spirit. Mm. Does our desire to pray reflect his work? Mm. I mean, the short answer, I think, is yes. Um, so we just said the Spirit enables us to pray, the Spirit inspires us and prompts us to pray. So yes, when we have that desire to pray, it's coming from the Spirit at work within us. Um, but I actually think this question might be asking the opposite side of things. So what if I don't desire to pray? Does that mean that the Spirit isn't working in me? Uh, and to that, I want to say a definite no. So if you're a Christian, if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ as your King and your Savior, then you have the Spirit of Christ at work in you, whether you're attuned to notice the Spirit working or not. Um, so if you're a Christian, the Spirit is at work in you, including in your prayer life, whether you are feeling it or not. Um, but that doesn't mean that we always feel excited about praying. Uh, so sometimes, and I think everybody feels this, sometimes prayer is just a really hard slog for all sorts of reasons. Um, prayer is just hard because of the time that we live in. Uh, we're living as God's people in an age where God's kingdom hasn't fully and finally been realized yet. And that tension just makes lots of parts of life hard, including prayer. So we just need to be, um, I guess, persevering and sticking with it now and looking forward to Jesus returning and having that perfect, unbroken relationship with God. Um, yeah, that will be as full as it possibly can be in a way that it can't be now. So, yeah, I think that future helps us persevere now uh, and it, uh, motivates us to pray now because we're looking forward to that time when we'll have that perfect intimate communion with God face to face. Um, there's also heaps of other reasons that we're motivated to pray now. So prayer is full of blessings and benefits. Uh, God answers prayer. Um, we know that prayer is not an optional extra in the Christian life, but it's something that Jesus actually commands us to do. Uh, and we know that prayer is crucial for protecting us against sin and against the devil's attacks. So 
even when we don't feel like praying or when praying is really hard work or when our prayers seem really feeble and weak, uh, we can trust that the Spirit's still at work and we can ask God to help us to pray by his Spirit at work within us. Mm. So just cycling back to the, the Father, Son, Spirit, mm-hmm. then would you say that um, it's okay or, or the, the normal means of prayer is that you pray to the Father but is there any scope or is there any warrant, I guess, biblical warrant to pray to the Son or to the Spirit? Because there's lots of Christians today that would do that. Mm, yeah. I think the pattern that the Bible gives us is for the norm to be praying to the Father um, and to address our prayers to the Father. But I do think there are times when it's appropriate to pray specifically to the Son or to the Spirit. Uh, I'm trying to think of examples. So, for instance, if you're reading the Gospels and say what I just read this morning was uh, Jesus feeding the 5,000 with bread and I might pray, you know, Lord Jesus, thank you that you're the bread of life. Thank you that you're the one who truly feeds and sustains and nourishes. Uh, I think that prayer is based on something that I have just read that the Son has done uh, and it's so it's addressing him and thanking him for something that he has done specifically in his personhood. And similarly with the Spirit, the Bible tells us the kinds of things we can expect the Spirit to do, uh, convicting us of sin, uh, teaching us the gospel, uh, all of those sorts of things, uh, gifting us to serve the church. So I do think then we could thank the Spirit specifically for those sorts of things. Um, I think it would be probably inappropriate for us to always address our prayers to the Son or to the Spirit, but I don't think it's inappropriate to do that sometimes uh, when we're giving thanks or praying for something that is, uh, I guess, appropriate to their specific roles, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, especially like in Bible study, uh, I often start our Bible study by praying um, that the Spirit would help us understand God's Mm, Word. Yeah. um, Because that's something that is talked about in Scripture as well. Mm. Um, So I think that, yeah, there's definitely roles that we see um, and unique things about the different persons of the the Trinity that Mm. are helpful in that regard. Yeah, I think it's worth – that is actually one of the things that Tim Chester goes into in Enjoying God and it's one of the things that he asks people to practice because uh, his suggestion is that most of us feel more comfortable or more aware of our relationship with one person of the Trinity than others. And so his challenge is sort of how do you relate to Father, Son and Spirit equally and how do you grow that relationship? And so I think that's a really helpful place to start and he does encourage you to uh, practice praying appropriately um, to the Son and to the Spirit. Yeah, at the same time, I think if we're always and exclusively doing that and we're never praying to the Father, then probably we're missing something in our understanding of prayer Yeah, Mm. or perhaps missing something in our understanding of our relationship with our Father that makes it difficult to pray to Him, um, and that's probably worth exploring a bit more. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So you're saying that the norm is praying to the Father, yeah, but it's not that doesn't exclude praying to the Son or to the Spirit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And if we're always doing, if we're always addressing our prayers to one person of the Trinity and never to the others, regardless of who that is, then that's probably something worth looking into. Yeah. Mm. Carly, you mentioned before that a lot of the Psalms capture like the full breadth of human emotions. Mm. Um, and, and a lot of the Psalms seem to be focused on lament. So it seems that God wants us to bring our sorrows to him. So what does it look like to lament well? And how do we avoid falling into self-pity in that process? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and we do want to lament. It is, it's actually really important to bring all of our emotions before God, including all our griefs and our sadnesses. Uh, And I think the Psalms themselves actually give us a really good model for how to lament well without falling into self-pity. So one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 73, where the psalmist starts off noting how his feet had almost slipped because he envied the wicked and all their prosperity. Uh, But then in the middle of the Psalm, and he, he does sort of go on and pour out his dissatisfaction to God about how the wicked are prospering. But in the middle of the psalm, he catches himself and he realizes that envy and bitterness are not a right response for someone who believes in the sovereign God. And he actually writes that down and says, I realized, you know, that this was not, this was not okay. And his words are so beautiful when he turns back to God, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. 
My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So there's a real sense of acknowledging his griefs and his frustrations and his dissatisfactions before God, but realizing the right uh, outlet or outcome for those is to uh, to praise God, to turn back to God, to find all of his meaning and fulfillment in God, not to just sit with that frustration and that um, self-pity, I guess. And I think all of the lament psalms follow a pretty similar pattern. So there's a protest where uh, the psalmist pours out their complaint before God. There's a petition asking God to do something about it. And then there's praise uh, where in the end they remember who God is and what he's done and what he promises to do for them. Uh, And one of our other staff workers, Amy, made a really helpful video on how you can model your own prayers of lament after the Psalms. And it's got some really practical tips in there. So I'm not going to repeat that here, but we'll link it in the notes and you can um, go and have a look. It's only a five minute video and I reckon it's super helpful. That's another good segue to the fact that we will have notes under this podcast. So wherever you're looking at it on, feel free to check out the notes afterwards. Yeah, there'll be heaps of great resources there. Yeah. There's another whole set like there was last time. And if you didn't check out any of the ones last time, maybe go check them out too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. So moving into some questions more on supplication now. Firstly, how do we stir up affections for our brothers and sisters when we pray for them? Um, particularly because we can sometimes feel apathetic or indifferent about it um, and it it just feels easy to pray for people that we know. Mm, Are you saying brothers and sisters like overseas, persecuted church kind of vibes that we don't know? Yeah, yeah, Christians overseas, yep. Yeah, so Christians that we we don't have sort of a personal connection Mm. with, yep. Um, Well, I think I'd start by saying that affection is great but faithfulness is better. Mm. So what I mean by that is our prayers – shouldn't be dependent on our feelings. Um, We can pray really biblical, powerful, wonderful prayers for other people, even when we're feeling a bit ambivalent. And often uh, the feeling follows the action. So, you know, if I feel a bit like, oh, man, I don't know if I can be bothered praying. And then I start praying. And once I'm into it, the prayer kind of fuels the passion. And the more I pray for somebody, the more excited I am about praying for them. The more I pray for a nation or a political situation or a natural disaster, the more uh, passionate I am about asking God to work in that situation. Mm. So the more our hearts get stirred with compassion for them and, and the more we really want them to know God in all his goodness. So I guess I'd say don't wait for your feelings to be stirred up before you start praying. Start praying and let the affections follow. And I also think this is another place where our resources should get a plug uh, because there's great resources that will help you get a deeper feeling for what life is like for believers in other places around the world and help you to know what kind of needs you can pray for. And as you read those things, you may find your affection stirred or you may find that you're passionate about praying for this particular type of scenario. So things like, I'll give you a quick list and we'll link them in the notes, uh, open doors, praying for persecuted Christians, Barnabas Fund, also praying for persecuted Christians. Um, Tear Fund, which is all about justice and compassion worldwide. Um, Operation World, which helps you pray for every country or region in the world. Um, IFES World, which is praying for uni ministry worldwide. Uh, And then every mission agency, so like CMS, uh, Baptist Mission, Pioneers, OMF, there's heaps of others. They would all have their own prayer points and also send out newsletters from missionaries in particular countries. So if you think, I wish I was praying for people in Southeast Asia, or I I feel like I should be praying for people in Europe or, you know, whatever you might have a, a desire to pray for, they will have people who can give actual stories of life in those places that you can pray for, which helps to build a more personal connection, I think, as well as it's actually really powerful for you to be praying for God to work through missionaries in those places. So, yeah, I really encourage you to sign up for some missionary prayer letters. Um, That would be a great place to start. And if you're not sure how to do that or uh, who would be great to pray for, come chat to one of your staff workers or one of your committee. Uh, They will all be able to point you in the right place. Yeah, Uh, and it's... Also, I think really good to have conversations with people, um, particularly like so going to mission conferences or mm. going to uh, like large gatherings across Victoria. Um, that can be really helpful because you meet Christians who have different experiences. And going to, I will plug NTE, going to NTE, we have lots of different nations all around the world that come to that. And you get to hear, um, what is it like being a Christian in Belarus? Or what is it like being a Christian in 
Asia or various other places and it, it's really eye-opening and really helpful um, because you start to actually know. You don't know all the people you're praying for, but you know someone mm. in that mm. country, which can be really helpful. Um, yep. I would also say that we talked about PrayerMate last time, which is an app you can get. Um, and most of those organizations have a prayer mate, I don't know what, I forget what you call it. Feed. Feed that you can kind of link in. Um, so, mm. AFES does, I think CMS does, like there's a bunch of others. So, yeah, that's a really most helpful mission way agencies do, yeah. Um, do and I'm going to go one further. I'm going to see your NTE and raise you Summit because if you come to Summit, uh, you'll get to meet people from CU's Focus Ministry, which is uh, Ministry to International Students. You'll get to meet Christians and people exploring Christianity from all different places around the world, and you get to have conversations with them about what life is like in their country, uh, what spirituality and uh, sort of the Christian community is like where they live. So those would be great conversations to have. And if you can't come to Summit, you can also just go check out Focus on a Friday night. Yeah. Mm. I guess I guess a question that underpins that, though, is uh, it's all very well for us to kind of have a passion stirred for praying for people in other nations, um, but does our prayer actually do anything? I think we talked about that last yeah. podcast, so you can go check out the last podcast to find That's out, does our prayer last... actually have any effect? Yeah, great mm-hmm. link to the last podcast. Mm. Yeah. So many great resources there. I mean, I loved what you said, Curly, about how faithfulness comes before affections. That should should be what we're striving for. Mm. So what are some things that we should be mindful in praying for other nations or IFES clubs when we address topics like persecution or sickness, ill governance, corruption, things like that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think In this question, we're talking about not when you pray for those things in your private prayers, but when you're praying in public, and and there is a difference there. Um, So when you're praying in private, anything you say is just between you and God, and if it doesn't come out right, or if you want to pray for something that might be really sensitive to other people, you know that God hears and understands what's really in your heart when you're just praying in private. Um, And of course, God does hear and understand your heart when you're praying in public as well, but there's also other people listening and praying along with you. So you do need to be more careful about wording your prayers in a way that won't be distracting to other people or uh, unintentionally hurt them or cause a stumbling block in their faith. Um, So I think biblical prayers are a great place to start. Um, So are you praying for the persecuted church? What kind of things do the New Testament writers pray for those who are suffering or what things are um, suffering believers encouraged to believe and stand firm in, then pray for those things? Um, Or are you praying for a country that's in the middle of difficult elections? What kind of things does the New Testament say about governing authorities and about the way that Christians should relate to governing authorities and then pray for those things? Um, So I think, yeah, when when we're praying for potentially sensitive topics we want to try and pray biblical prayers and especially when we're praying in public try not to uh i guess overstep um what is what we're encouraged to pray for in the bible Uh, and if you're worried about whether your public prayer that you've prepared is uh, sensitive enough or not or whether it might overstep um, just check it with somebody else and see uh, if they can spot any blind spots that you haven't noticed um yeah, I think that's a really helpful a really helpful thing to do. And you can use the kind of resources that we've already talked about to find out more about the place that you're praying for and what kind of things the Christians there would like you to pray for. Um, although I'd still recommend framing those things in terms of the way the Bible speaks about them and the things that the biblical authors encourage us to pray for. Mm. Can you give us maybe one example of something that you think might be a, a, a better, I'm not, not sure if better is the right term, but a better um, prayer than safety, security, comfort for people in persecuted church or maybe who are actually on death row at the moment or they're being like they're they're physically actually being martyred. Yeah, sure. Yeah. What what might be a better prayer for that? Yeah. I mean, I think, again, like we said before, it is okay to pray, God, please remove that persecution and let them live safe lives. And that's actually something we're encouraged to pray biblically in terms of Christians relating to government, to pray for a stable government that allows Christians to live freely in their faith. Uh, So that's not a wrong thing to pray for. But at the same time, because we want to acknowledge that God might be doing something different with that persecution, maybe we would also uh, be praying that God would strengthen the believers there to stand firm in their faith even under persecution, that he would strengthen them to be faithful to Christ even to death. Uh, that he would give them opportunities to share the gospel with the community around them so that even 
uh, if they die, that the non-believers around them might see in that a witness to Christ. Uh, you might even be praying for their material needs to be met in that time uh, so that they are able to like, just continue living. So food, water, shelter, um, brothers and sisters around them in Christ to keep encouraging them, those sorts of things. Mm. Uh, I think those would be great things to pray for. Yeah, yeah. it's really helpful. And, and all of those things can happen during persecution without God removing the persecution necessarily. Yeah, and, and Jesus does promise that he'll give us words when we stand mm. before yep. people in that sense, like uh, under persecution before foreign governments, mm. all that kind of stuff. Uh, yep. And so there, there's a sense in which we, we can pray for words for the believers to speak when they get the opportunity in those situations yep. um, and know that that's a promise that's been given. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and even things like standing firm, I mean, that's a very bi- biblical prayer. The whole of the New Testament letters is filled with exhortations to stand firm in Christ. Uh, and so that's a great thing to pray mm. for Christians who are facing hard times, whether that's the hard times of potentially being martyred today or whether that's the hard times of, you know, going through a serious illness or something like that yeah. in a slightly safer political situation. Mm. And we see that in Revelation too, mm. quite quite vividly. Yeah. And I guess we can also mm. pray that um, God would remind them of, of the victory awaiting them mm. yep. um, on the other side, the glory awaiting them yep. on the other side. So. Yeah, yeah. And that he would fill them with hope in Christ. Yeah, they're yeah. all wonderful things to pray for. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it just helps us enlarge our prayers just a little bit more than th- still a good prayer that mm. God please give them safety and comfort mm. and yeah. stuff. It's still a good prayer, but it, it just helps us enlarge that a little bit more. Yeah, and we can pray for all those things at once. They're not contradictory. Yeah. 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 Mm. What about prayers for our church leaders and pastors? Mm. Yeah, I I think we start in the same place. I mean, obviously, we want to say, please do pray for your church pastors, uh, whatever your church organization structure looks like. So um, pastors, elders, deacons, vestry leaders, bishops, archbishops, kids church leaders, you know, leaders of specific ministries, whatever that looks like in your church, your church leaders do really need and value your prayers. And I think that is something we can forget to pray sometimes. And I'm certainly uh, guilty of that myself. Um, but yeah, I think the best place to start is still with biblical prayers. Um, we may pray for more than that, but I think that's a great place to have our prayers shaped. So the same things that Jesus and the New Testament writers pray for God's people in general, um, or the, the beliefs and character and behaviors that they encourage believers to hold on to. Uh, you have even examples of the things Paul says to church leaders like Timothy and Titus and the things that he prays for them. Um, they'd be great things to pray for your church leaders. Uh, and there's other really good resources that you can use as well. So uh, we've talked about PrayerMate already. PrayerMate has a, a free feed called 18 Things to Pray for Your Church and also a free feed called 12 Pastoral Commitments. Can I just say free feed is really hard to say. Anyway, uh, 12 Pastoral Commitments, that's another there you one. Go, diving into linguistics again. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, but those are great things to pray for your leaders and they're very easy to access if you are using that app already. Uh, there's also the book Five Things to Pray for Your Church, which I think is available as a paid feed on PrayerMate, but also it's a book and you could just buy the book and use the book. Uh, it's more than just five things to pray. It's got multiple chapters that take you through different groups of people in your church, including your church leaders, and how you can pray well for them. Uh, and so it's I think it's five prayer points every chapter and there's multiple chapters. So there's a hundred and something prayer points in the book uh, that are great ways to pray for your church. And I think one of the resources that we often don't think of, but is really helpful is talk to your pastor or your minister or uh, whatever their title is in your church and ask them how you can pray for them and then pray for those things. Uh, It would actually be a huge blessing to their heart to have you ask. And um, you might even want to send them occasionally a message to say, hey, I'm praying for you and this is what I'm praying today. Mm. Uh, That would be such an encouragement to them. They would love that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think also we can, just on a a practical note, praying for the health of their marriage, if they're married, um, and praying for their personal devotional life and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, Praying that they wouldn't get sidetracked by admin. Um, though admin is good admin to do. You know I love admin. You love admin, (laughs) but uh, sometimes that can swamp things like sermon preparation or various other things. Yeah. But I think just thinking over the last couple of years, the amount of marriages that are broken down uh, in pastoral situations should give us pause to think about praying carefully for people's marriages, Mm. pastors' marriages, um, their families, 
Yeah. I think relationships in general as well. So whether they're married or single, a lot of people in ministry uh, find it hard to maintain friendships, partly because ministry is busy and partly because uh, there's always a bit of a power imbalance Mm. then, especially Mm. within a church, uh, maybe not so much in parachurch ministries, but praying for good and godly friendships for them, praying for evangelistic opportunities, praying for uh, that sort of sense of community and uh, not feeling lonely, those sorts of things. Yeah, all their relationships are great to pray for. Yeah, okay. and their personal godliness as well yeah. is something that definitely shouldn't be neglected. Uh, yeah, I mean, we get the instruction, uh, watch your life and doctrine closely. Uh, even if you just took that sentence and prayed off the basis of that, that would be a great thing mm. to pray for them. Yeah, or you look at in Timothy or Titus, the uh, requirements for an elder. Mm. Yep. They're pray a through great thing to pray, pray yep. for as well. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Mm. So we've talked about about praying for others, for the global church and the local church. What about praying with others? That's quite difficult. Um, It can be easy to feel like we're putting up a facade. So how can we pray earnestly with others? Mm, Yeah. Yeah, I think that is a big challenge because we feel like I mean, it's, it's good and right. People are listening to us pray, but we can feel a little bit scrutinized or a little bit judged by that or like we have a standard that we have to live up to. Um, but I think it's helpful to remember who we're talking to, who we're praying to. Uh, and we talked about this in leaders meeting earlier in semester. So for anyone who was there, this might be a bit of a reminder, slightly different context, but you only need to focus on pleasing God. And I think that's a really helpful reminder when we're praying in public or in a group with other people that we are praying to God. Um, We happen to be doing it in front of other people, but God doesn't care if you're the most eloquent prayer or if you accidentally say the wrong thing or stumble over your words or something doesn't come out right and you have to take it back and rephrase it. Uh, I think for, for me, if you've prayed with me, you'll know that I do this all the time. I think it's totally legitimate to be praying and then go, oh, God, that didn't quite capture what I meant or it didn't quite come out right. What I really meant is this. Um, yeah, I think that's quite fine to, even when you're praying with other people, to just rephrase the way you've said something if you feel like it didn't express what you actually meant. Because uh, God knows your heart. And as long as your heart is set on pleasing him, that's the most important thing. Uh, and we do all grow in prayer over time. We get more comfortable praying at all. Uh, We get more confident praying in front of other people. We get to know our Bibles better, so we have a better idea of what to pray for. We learn from the way that other people pray in public. Uh, We potentially go to prayer training with Dashi and Danielle. There will be more opportunities for that coming up in the second half of the year, so keep an eye out. I feel like this is just a rolling advert. It totally (laughs) is. Yep, that's fine. That's fine. There's lots of good, good things going on. Uh, But yeah, that's, that's a good and right thing too. We should always be growing in our prayer life, not just our own personal prayer life, but the way that we pray with other people. Uh, But we're never perfect until Jesus returns. So I think the best thing is just to be yourself and use the words that you have and that are natural to you and pray from a heart that is directed towards God and wants to please him. And I don't think there is anything more earnest and more honest than that. Mm. Yeah, God doesn't hear us because of the large words we use. Yeah. Or the many words we use. Or the many words Mm. we use, yeah. (laughs) That's a note to self. (laughs) Uh, So, I guess there's there's kind of two, I don't know, two parts to this. Here you go. We'll try this question. We'll see how it goes. Uh, One one kind of question is, would you change how you pray depending on who you're with? So, what I mean by that is um, if you are praying with, say, a, a number of new Christians... Uh, or, or baby Christians, would you change how you pray a little bit to match that? Or would you uh, kind of pray, like I, I'm just imagining praying and filling it with lots of scripture kind of prayer quotes, which I love to do. I love to try and think about scripture as I pray. Um, would you try and change that so that people you're praying with don't feel kind of, I guess, dwarfed by your your prayer? Or would you let it stand and encourage them to just pray? Yeah, I think that's a bit of a tough one because if that's the way that you naturally pray, you don't sort of want to squash that. But you do also want to be sensitive to who else is praying with you. And they really are praying with you. They're not just listening to you pray. You're asking them, and we're going to talk a bit more about this soon, I think. You're asking them to say amen to your prayers. You're asking them to participate and agree with the prayers that you're praying. So if they can't understand what you're praying, it's going to be very hard for them to agree with it before God. So I guess 
there's some kind of balance between being yourself and praying in a way that's natural to you and being sensitive to who's praying with you. Uh, and I think we need both of those things in our prayers. Uh, and I'm not sure there's a black and white, this is exactly how you do it. I think it's more of an art than a science. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's so so good that God is gracious and he completely understands our heart. He knows mm. where we are. Mm. Mm. And I think also there's, uh, if you're someone who's maybe not so comfortable praying with lots of other people um, and you feel like there's some more mature Christians or whatever in the group, I think may- maybe this is something that I've thought about as I've grown older, but actually um, praying with newer Christians or younger Christians, uh, I'm, I'm just happy they're praying. Mm. Like yeah. I'm not scrutinizing every little word that they're saying. And yeah. so maybe that's an encouragement that actually um, if you're praying with older, mature Christians, generally they're really happy that you're praying. Yeah, that's um, right. They're, they're for you as you're praying. They're not mm. kind of like sitting there judging you as you pray. Not necessarily. Mm. Some might, but... Hopefully not. Hopefully <laughs> not. So, I, I know that's an encouragement. Like, actually, they're, they're, they're praying with you and they're just in, they're encouraged that you're praying. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So, how about engaging in corporate prayer as someone other than the person leading at the front. And you touched on this a bit before, but yeah, it is easy to tune out sometimes. It's been a long day of uni. She's just given his great talk and it's like, oh, I'm a bit tired now. I might just tune out. <laughs> I'll raise the bar. NTE, hour sermon, 9.30 at night. How do you stay pay attentive to a 10-minute prayer? <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's, yep. Only hap- that's only happened once, FYI. That's not the normal experience of NTE. I just think I'll put that out there, but. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So yes, there can be times. I would also say uh, 7.30 a.m. leaders meetings can be some of those times as well where it's it's hard because you're tired or because your brain is full of what you've just heard and it's hard to concentrate on what's being prayed. Um, I guess, like I just said, you're being asked to say amen at the end of this prayer. You're being asked to affirm that you're also asking God to uh action all the things that the person who's praying has just said. So you're really participating in this prayer and it's a pretty big responsibility. So I guess that's an encouragement to make sure you know what it is you're saying I'm into, what it is you're agreeing with, and maybe that's all the motivation you need to stay awake. But um, there might be some other suggestions, so I'll give a few and maybe you guys might have some other thoughts on that. But um, uh, one is maybe you could mentally think about saying mini amen after each uh, sort of topic of prayer. Um, So you can reflect on, okay, this person's just prayed for the international situation. I'm going to say amen. Okay, this person's just prayed for our group. I'm going to say amen. They've just prayed for somebody who's sick. I'm going to say amen. Um, Just to sort of keep yourself alert to what's being prayed. Uh, If you've got some level of uh, familiarity with the person who's praying up front or with uh, the people who are coaching them, you could encourage them to vary it up and to pray in a way that asks for a congregational response. So uh, that happens particularly in the Anglican liturgy, maybe not as much in other churches, um, but things like asking the congregation to say, Lord, hear our prayer as a marker of moving from one topic to another. Um, That kind of does keep you alert. Uh, And you could mentally use those kind of responses even if the prayer at the front isn't leaving space for you to do it. It might be a bit awkward if you say it out loud, but you could say it in your heart. Um, You could listen out for one prayer point that you're going to adopt for the week and um, then you could plan to pray that daily in your own prayer time, which would mean you need to listen to all the prayer points so you know which one you're going to adopt. You don't have to close your eyes during prayer. That's my other tip. Uh, You might be better keeping your eyes open and just focusing on a set point in the room or you could even write down bullet points of what the person praying has prayed for. Uh, That might, Particularly if you're more of a kinesthetic learner, that might be a great way to keep yourself engaged yeah maybe just don't stare at the person praying probably not (laughs) no um, pick a pick a point that is not staring at somebody but like on the floor or on the wall or something i'm just i'm just imagining praying up the front and looking up in as i'm reading something off a piece of paper or something and looking into seeing like a number of people staring straight at me (laughs) yeah maybe don't do that disconcerting yeah yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yes Uh, i don't know do you guys have any other tips for staying engaged uh i think i really like what you said at the start finding ways to kind of affirm the prayer middle way through the prayer uh, I think you can do it slightly audibly too so I'm a guy so my natural thing is to do like a low guttural grunt of affirmation uh, and but that that's really helpful and I, I actually can you, do sorry that. can you give us an example of a low guttural grunt of affirmation mm. yeah <laughs> yep something like that mm, mm. yeah um, 
And I think maybe the, the reason that's helpful is I think for me, because I, I've kind of naturally trained myself to do that. Um, so this is really bad. Sometimes I find myself, I'll be in the middle of prayer. I'll, I'll actually have tuned out, but they'll finish a the point. And I'll just actually go, mm, and then I kind of realize, hold on, wait, I've just affirmed. And I, so that like pulls me back into yeah. to the thing. Yeah, but, and I'll say I do the same thing. So it's not just a guy thing. I also do a little hmm of affirmation. Yeah. Or sometimes uh, other people I hear praying might say, yes, Lord, uh, as they're affirming someone else's prayer. But yes, it is then tempting to get into the routine of just when you hear the sentence intonation go down and it sounds like they finished the sentence of automatically going, hmm, and you just have to check, did I actually listen to that? And have I affirmed something yeah. I agree with? Yeah, and but it, but it does pull me back, yeah. I think, sometimes. Like sometimes that, that naturally pulls me back. And having a um, maybe external physical... Thing is because I know it's a bit more helpful than trying to just do it mentally. Yeah. So anyway, that mm. would be my only add-on to your yeah. first tip. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, even nodding along like that physical um, awareness of what's going on, you're, you're agreeing with them. Or sometimes this might be a bit weird, but sometimes in my head, like, you know, when you're having a conversation with someone and sometimes you just need to repeat what the other person has just said so you can process it yourself. Sometimes in my head, like I'll just repeat what the person up front has just prayed just to help me think about what they've said and actually, yeah, I, I want to pray for this as well. Mm, yeah. yeah. And you may even then sort of go off on a little mental tangent of like, yeah, they've just prayed for this thing and I want to pray what they prayed and I want to add a few extra prayer points of my mm. own. That's okay. You're still engaging with what's being prayed. Mm. Yeah. Conversely, I think the other thing um, sometimes if, if I'm in a prayer meeting or something and I'm finding it hard is actually just praying, God, help me concentrate. Yep. Great tip. Yeah. Mm. 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 So in corporate prayer, we often use words like we and our and us rather than I. Why is that? Does using I detract from our prayers as we're speaking to the Lord on everyone's behalf? Yeah. Uh, so the big difference, as the question pointed out, is that we're speaking to God on behalf of the group. So it's not just for ourselves. So we're not just praying for me and I and myself. Uh, but we're also leading the group in prayer. So like we just said, all the people who aren't up the front praying aloud, they're still praying along with us in their head. So what we pray isn't just us, me, representing the whole group, but it's also me allowing every member to participate in the prayer. Um, so that's why, that's one reason why it's important to use uh, we and our and us, because it's our collective prayer, even though I'm the one saying it out loud. Uh, and when we say amen, we're also asking the group to affirm what we've said by saying amen at the end as they agree, God, let it be so. Um, so it's not that there isn't ever a place for, you know, using an I statement in corporate prayer. It's not like you're going to be struck by lightning from heaven if you do that. Um, but in general, for lots of reasons, I think it's much better to use we and us and our language when we're praying with the whole group. I find the opposite problem sometimes. Sometimes I start praying personally and start using we and there's no one else with me. <laughs> yep, yep. We as in me, myself and I are praying this. <laughs> yeah. The royal we. Yeah. Mm. I do love what you said before, Kiralee, about praying with others is actually a responsibility. We don't have to just be passive about it, but yeah. Mm. Yeah, mm. and that goes both ways. It's the person who is actually speaking the prayer out loud and the people who are silently participating in the prayer we have responsibilities to each other and we're all praying this thing together before god yeah mm. we are coming to the end of our time we'd love to end with some more prayerful habits are there any disciplines or practices that you found helpful in cultivating a consistent prayer life I think it changes over time, and I think we talked about this a bit last time, that our different circumstances or what we're finding easy or hard in our personal spiritual life can affect our, our prayer life and can affect how uh, we do that best. I'm actually probably in the process of changing my habits. I, I think I've discovered that what I have been doing across the couple of years of lockdown isn't really working for me anymore. I'll share what I have been doing. I haven't quite figured out what I'm going to do yet, so maybe you guys have got some tips as well. Um, yeah, I, I do think we're not looking for a perfect way to do it, and I think we said it last time, you know, rather than trying to find the perfect way to end all ways that is going to be your prayer life forever, um, just do it, just pray in whatever way works for you well enough right now, right? There's no silver bullet, just do it. Um, but what's been working for me across lockdown 
has been having my Bible reading and prayer time in the morning. So uh, I'm having breakfast, I'll read the Bible, I'll maybe do part of a Bible study, or I'm just reading a particular passage or a book. Uh, and then immediately afterwards, I'll pray over what I've read from the passage. Uh, I'll pray about applying it to my life. I'll pray for the day that's coming up and the things that I might have on and the people I might be interacting with. Uh, so that would be my morning prayer time. And then at the end of the day, sort of around 5, 5.30 when I'm winding up, I would be using the Prayer Mate app to pray for family and friends and the church and the world and sort of more broadly intercessory prayer. Uh, and I love having the daily collect from the Anglican Church and other written prayers on Prayer Mate because they push me to pray in ways that I wouldn't otherwise. So my morning prayer would be more like reflecting on the Bible, praying applying it to my life and praying for my day and my circumstances. My afternoon prayer time would be more broadly praying for other people and the world and the church. Um, so I find that breaking up those different types of prayer, so prayer from scripture, prayer for my daily work and prayer for other people, breaking that up into different parts of the day is really helpful for me because I'm better at some of those than others. And so uh, if I do it, try to do it all at once, everything gets sort of squished in together and it can be pretty brief and pretty repetitive if I try and do it all at once. Um, that was working for me through lockdown. I think with uh, the early mornings of leaders meetings and the uh, afternoon slot of TNT that has made it harder, I think, to keep that routine uh, and just, you know, being out and about in person makes it harder to keep that routine. So uh, at the moment, I'm trying to just move them around a little bit so that they still fit. Um, and so, so I'm still doing both each day, but I'm finding that I'm not as consistent as I'd like to be with that. So uh, particularly the prayer for other people, intercessory prayer, prayer for mm. the world, that's not uh, working as well for me at the moment as I would like. So I think I need to do something about moving it out of that end of day afternoon slot and putting it somewhere else. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I'm interested in your tips if you guys have got any suggestions. Mm. Uh, I think one thing that I think is helpful and again, I think I've found it hard coming out of lockdown to like get back into a solid routine um, is that I sit down on Sunday, um, usually late, later at night, in the afternoon, evening, something for about half an hour and actually just work out my calendar for the week. And so what that allows me to do is, you know, I've, I had physio this morning, so that didn't work. Um, I've got leaders meeting, like there's, there's times and places where I've got to shift around, but sitting down for half an hour on Sunday just being like, okay, this is my week. This is everything I've got, including CU, work, everything. Um, and where am I going to fit different bits and pieces every day? Um, it's really helpful for planning that. Sticking to it is sometimes hard, but mm. at least I've got that planned. Um, that's that's one thing I've found helpful. And I think the other thing is, like, just do it. I, I Like, I think yesterday, yesterday I did... Prayer time, I'd prayed through my prayer mate thing um, at the Woodside table, CU table. Um, and I think the first few times you can do that, it feels really weird if there's people around. And there's one reason I, I, I actually find doing personal devotion stuff at home really tricky is I, for some reason I find it weird doing it when my family are around. Um, but I think you kind of just got to get over that. Like you've actually just got to do it. Yep. There are all these kind of reasons that we throw up to stop us praying um, and in the end, we actually just need to do it. Mm. Uh, like, it's it's hard often, and it makes sense, right? If prayer and Bible reading are the two things that keep us growing and fruitful as Christians, and the Spirit works through that, and we grow and we mature, then you can be sure that they're the two things that the devil doesn't want us doing at all. Yeah, yeah. And so I think naturally there's, you know, I sit down and I go, okay, I should be doing an hour of prayer and Bible reading, Uh which is functionally we get that's part of our hours is as CU stuff, um, and it's like ah oh, suddenly three messages come in about can you update the website and do the podcast and various other things, um, and so uh, yeah you, it it is a moment of just do it okay we've got to actually stop and say this is really important yeah daily prayer and Bible reading really important like the most important thing pretty much you'll do in a day it needs to take priority at mm. some point. Yeah, and perhaps that's an extra tip is if you're using PrayerMate or something on your phone for your prayer time, maybe you can uh, put everything else on focus mode so that you're not being distracted by other things mm. popping up because it is really tempting. As soon as you get a different message or, you know, you see something come in, you're like, oh, my gosh, I need to attend to that urgently. Uh, it's, yes, constantly it's reminding yourself the yes. most urgent thing is that I spend time with God. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Do you have any mm. tips, Danny? 
I think in terms of just doing it, like sometimes I, like if I'm not doing well, being disciplined about praying, like sometimes throughout the day, I'll just catch myself in a particular thought and it'll feel so random, like it'll feel out of the blue. But sometimes I think it's a prompt to pray. Like I might be thinking about a particular person and be like, I, I don't know why I'm thinking of this person. But then asking God, how would you like me to pray for this person and, and being reactive to um, the things that are happening during the day. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't have to be just a set time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, listening to the Spirit and how he's prompting you throughout mm. the day, I think as well. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. And especially if you're uh, a person who gets anxious or worried about what's happening for other people and you're concerned for the people you love or you're concerned about what's happening in the world or even what's happening in your own life and you find your thoughts running away into worry, uh, if you can start noticing that and take those moments as, hey, I've just realized I'm really worried about you know what's happening in my family uh, and I really need to pray for this person. Um, rather than I'm going to worry in the background about what's happening in my family while I go on about my day, actually, no, I'm going to take a couple of minutes. I'm going to pray about that and entrust it to God. Uh, and then I'm going to go on about my day with more of an awareness of his presence and more of a, as you say, more of a um, attunement to the spirit prompting you to pray. Yeah. Maybe one other thing is to talk quickly about one um, prayer blocker. It's an interesting expression, but we'll go with it. Uh, and so that is, I think, when sometimes when you're caught in something like a besetting sin, uh, that can become a prayer blocker. Every time you think you want to pray, you don't feel worthy or you feel like there's this big thing hanging over you. Uh, and so it can really stop prayer life in its tracks. And so there's, there's kind of two things I guess I want to say to that. Um, not having necessarily, well, I haven't reached perfection, obviously. Um, but I think one is sometimes if there's besetting sin, you need to deal with it. Mm. Like you, if you realize and go, you know what, this is keeping me from praying or praying fully, praying freely. Like obviously you need to confess it and that's hard, mm. but you need to do it and it feels so much better once you do. Um, but the second one is like if you're actually caught in a besetting sin, so I mean the, the natural ones for a guy to talk about a porn or sexual immorality in a whole lot of different areas. Um, that can be struggle for girl too. Um, but get some help, like tell, come chat to a staff or um, talk about it because that can be a real prayer blocker and trying to fight that battle by yourself can be really hard. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes if you, sometimes for some people, if you want a fruitful prayer life, it's actually getting on top of your godliness a little bit can be a really helpful thing. Yep. And I think that's actually helpful, not just in terms of if you're dealing with a sin that keeps cropping up repeatedly and, and you're feeling guilty or bad about that, uh, that absolutely can be a blocker. But there are lots of other things that can be uh, blockers to your prayers as well that you might not notice or you might not realize that's why you're finding it hard to pray. There's not always a reason. Sometimes it is just hard to pray because it is. But sometimes there is a reason, like uh, you're trying to do it in a really busy setting or a really quiet setting and that actually doesn't work for you or like you don't really uh, understand what's happening when we pray and so you think, is it really worth doing it? Or maybe you uh, have something that you're uh, upset with God about and you feel like you can't pray because that upset is just getting in the way. Um, there's all sorts of reasons why you might be struggling to pray and you might not have spent time sitting down to actually I guess, identify what those things are. And that's a really helpful first step. And maybe you need somebody else to help you process through that. Um, but yeah, there's more than just um, ongoing sins mm. that could be causing that kind of disconnect or that kind of, oh, I just don't feel like it. Yeah. yeah. Though I, w I would say with if, if it is besetting sin or mm. a sin, it doesn't have to be besetting. Mm. It can just be some big sin that you've committed. The Yeah, I would say confess quickly. Yeah, absolutely. The quicker yeah. you do it, the easier it is. Yeah. Um, come to God, repent, confess, um, brush it off, get back up. Yeah, if you and do actively that, uh, remember what he promises, that you have received forgiveness when you confess your sins. Yeah, yeah, and the shorter time frame that you do that in, the better it is, mm. the less of a problem it becomes. I think. Yeah, I suspect that's the same for any blockers, though. It is true for yeah. sin, uh, but um, I suspect it's the same for any blockers. The sooner you notice it and the sooner you then figure out or get some help to figure out how do you... <clears throat> how do you tackle that, uh, the better it will be for your prayer life rather than letting it go on and fester and build up into this really huge thing that then takes a long time to unpick. Um, yeah. Yeah. There you go. I think that's some – we've talked about different kind of 
practical tips I yeah. think, today than what we did last last time. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And I think the last word that I want to say is we just want to try and be as consistent and faithful as we can and not beat ourselves up for a missed prayer time. Mm. So it's that balance of striving without beating ourselves up, uh, but trusting in God's grace to not only forgive us when we are not as invested in our relationship with him as we should be, um, but also to help us by his spirit continue to grow in our prayer lives. Mm. So, yeah, I guess I want to end on a note of grace that there's lots of practical things that we can do. I think the most practical thing we can do is keep on trusting in and resting in God's grace. Mm. Mm. Prayer is a discipline and a delight. Indeed, yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of this particular podcast. Uh, We have covered everything. We got through everything. We'll see whether it makes it into one or two sessions, but that's okay. Uh, And so if you've been listening along, we pray that this this prayer podcast would be a blessing and it would be really helpful in your prayer life. Uh, But um, yeah, if you, obviously we said before, check out the prayer uh, resources below in the description of this podcast. Uh, Danielle and Kiralee, thank you so much for your hard preparation for this. I had the joy of just sitting here and enjoying the conversation. I didn't have to do any prep work for it, so I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, and But I know you guys have done a lot, so thank you very much for that. Thanks for having us. Thanks very much, Joel. And, uh, yeah, we uh, look forward to seeing you at some next Q&A. There will be some other q and I'm sure, but we'll see what that, that comes. Uh, so uh, enjoy, and we'll end the podcast there.